are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Yo, what's going on, man? How's the how's the weekend going? How's the week for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty run of the mill, I would say. You know, little little snowy uh, snowy afternoon Saturday here as we uh, record the uh, first part of our episode for this week. Nice. Uh, I made a pretty dumb decision and joined a a fit competition at my gym and it's an eight week competition. So I am been on lockdown diet wise, workout wise, uh, and we'll see what happens, but I'm, I needed some kind of motivation. I mean, I go work out. I always talk about it, but this is like a different level because the gym is making a big deal out of it. They have a big board in the gym and it, it has your name and it has what, your weight is, and they take pre-pictures and after-pictures, and it's just kind of a, a pretty uh, awesome competition. Honestly, you really hold yourself accountable because you can't just, like, join the competition and slack off. So I've been pretty hungry this week because I cut a lot of my calories down, and my uh, people that work for me, they're laughing because they think I'm, I'm like Joe Pesci before he eats the Snickers in those commercials. Because, you know, you just kind of get hungry and you get a little agitated a little bit easier at work. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But this competition's over in March. So Okay. So, uh, yeah, my uh, winter league wrapped up this week. Uh, had, our, had our first half wrap up. Uh, shout to the guys that won that league. I, f- I forget the name of the team. Um, but, yeah, there's a, there's a gentleman who bowls uh, Eastern region, region Tournaments. Uh, who's on their team so shout shout to those guys for winning uh sport league rob you know so awful frustrating out there a lot of the time my team finished second um you know i didn't have that great of a first half i ended the first half very strong i bowled pretty well uh the last few weeks of the half but uh yeah very frustrating very frustrating when you can't when you can't find it and you can't get it done so uh next week we start the first half I just went to practice this morning, uh, just trying to stay sharp since I'm throwing it pretty well. Um, there's a couple of local tournaments coming up in the next few weeks that I would like to bowl if I could find the time. So I'm throwing it pretty good and trying to stay sharp and, uh, yeah, you know, enjoying myself out on the lanes. I mean, whenever you throw it good, it, it, you, you enjoy bowling more, I think, right? Yeah, I think my most frustration is when I throw it good and I don't score well. I, I That just bothers me so much mm, yeah i understand that man I, I i feel that way a lot in the house that i bowl this league in where you know even when i throw it good my scores are not that high i mean i hit the pocket a lot and you know i just don't seem to string strikes very often or shoot very high games but uh yeah you know i i enjoy that challenge though for sure and then i went to practice this morning and i was bowling with a with a, an older gentleman in my league who this is his first year bowling on sport conditions. And he is like a 220 average, you know, uh, house condition bowler. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny, man, because the game is just so much different, you know, and, and every time I 
have these practice sessions with people that are new on the sport conditions. And, you know, I try and, I try and offer them some, some insight into, uh, you know, what's going on out there. For instance, like today I was, we were practicing on a short pattern and I was trying to explain to him why he should use a pin down ball as opposed to a pin up ball and why he should have his feet more right towards the gutter. And, you know, he did that and he shot like 230, 240 for two games and was just, you know, over the moon about it. And yeah, it's just, it's a totally different game and a totally different vibe. So, you know, when you're throwing it good and you, you figure it out and you have that success on something that challenging, I think the reward is uh, is that much greater. So, yeah, I've been throwing it good. And, you know, like I said, I went to practice today just to kind of try and stay sharp. But, uh, yeah, nice first half of the season. We finished second. So, you know, never a huge return on your money in a league. I mean, if I was trying to survive off a of league bowling money, I would be in really bad shape. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, not, nice end to the first half. So, all right, Rob. You know, big week this week, right? You know, in general, because uh, the PBA has started back up. You know, the PBA is back. Yeah. uh, I mean, hey, look, it's like opening day for any sport that we love. Uh, Baseball, to me, is a big opening day. Uh, NFL, obviously, like the best opening day. Uh, And bowling, right? Like opening week, uh, it's just good to see have bowling back and uh, there's some, you know, interesting topics, I guess that we need to talk about uh, already that happened this week and uh, yeah, uh, see uh, where you want to go. But first thing I want to bring up is Mike, you put the kibosh on Norm Duke. Uh, And (laughs) if you listen to our last show, uh, I talked about how Norm was going to be like my, uh, almost favorites for player of the year. And, and, and you kind of talked about his age and, and, and I laughed at you saying, look, like it's not a, that big of a deal. Norm's in great shape. And then what happens makes the cut. He's born pretty good. And then he goes out with an injury. Uh, so yeah. Uh, chalk, chalk another one up to the Mike mush, the kibosh. Uh, and uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just, Kind of feel like if you're out there and you're a PBA pro, uh, and you and and Big Mike talks about you, you should probably uh, like wear a helmet or uh, you're, you're like the Madden curse, Mike. I kind of have that feeling sometimes. Well, first of all, Mr. Uh, Saginaw Valley State, as I stare at our show notes here, uh, it's kibosh, <laughs> not kibosh. Okay, I and it's, uh, it's spelled <laughs> K I B O S H. All right. Okay. So if you want to come with me. You better come harder than that. And secondly, uh, let me say that I don't think that me talking about Norm Duke and the age issue there when we had the discussion about where he should be ranked in the flow bowling rankings, um, you know, I, I don't think that that really, you know, was it was a black cloud. I mean, this is reality, right? I, I, I feel like I should be given credit for that take because, you know, as it turns out, yeah, like it, it was an issue already. You know, I mean, so listen, I'm not, I'm not hating on the guy. He's one of the goats, obviously. He's been on the show. We love Norm Duke. Uh, I agree with, with Flo Bowling and Lucas Wiseman. He's a national treasure. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but listen, you know, it's a factor, man. Age is undefeated. Father time is undefeated. But, Rob, you know, sometimes when I talk about bowlers on the show and, you know, we talk shit on them, it actually – inspires them to bowl better and I think we saw a little bit of that this week too because uh 
We talked some shit on Chris Barnes last week with the age factor as well. Yes, with him turning 50 this year. And uh, he came out of the gate firing and was in the running all week and obviously has made the show. So, yeah, you know, sometimes it works both ways around here. Yeah, Barnes don't look 50, though. I mean, really, like, he don't look 50. Like, he, Barnes is in great shape, honestly. Like, and uh, if, you, if I was to play a guessing game on age with Chris Barnes, I mean, I would guess he's, like, 42 to, like, 43, honestly. Like, he keeps himself in good shape, and he bowls a lot. But uh, I just kind of feel like, yeah, like, it, age is just a number. It's a matter of how you feel. I mean, like, look at Buttress. Like Butcherf is, is 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 a young buck, and he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, uh, but had a good week this week because he felt good. Uh, Tommy Jones was another one, right? Who's been, has been battling injuries, but let me tell you about our boy Tommy. Yo, he's hot right now. Uh, oh, that uh, swing, that swing, Rob. That swing's mm. real loose after that hundred K win at the Bolero event. Mm. Yep, but yeah. Uh, so at least I learned something this show because. Kibosh is that I'm I'm still I used to oh I always still is there I said kibosh so I'm I'm gonna yeah, but that. You can Google all you want don't question me dog come on <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. what about Oscu uh, I, I we, we, you had some observations on Oscu switching EBI right like I feel like that's been a good move for him he's been bowling pretty decent since he switched over. Uh, Yeah, I also noticed that uh, it seems like he switched his spare shooting uh, approach where a lot he was it seemed like he was um, shooting spares one handed a lot. And then it seems that to me that he switched them to two that he switched his approach to two handed. So, yeah, it seems like he's making spares better. I mean, he used to throw it a million when he would shoot spares. And I felt like a lot of times it led to him. Uh, kind of missing the spare, you know, because he was trying to throw it uh, so incredibly hard. But, uh, yeah, I think obviously it's been a good change. We haven't seen him on a show for a while, right? So for him to make a show, that's a big step in the right direction. And, Rob, for a while he was leading. He shot 300. Like, this was not a backdoor show for him. If anything, he slowed down at the end of that last block and still locked up a spot on the show. Yeah, it was – I mean, look, like anytime you make a show is a great, a great performance. Uh, we'll see what happens once the show starts, though, Mike. I, you know me, a little bit skeptical of, uh, of him just because he hasn't had so, uh, a lot of success and he never really lived up to a lot of the hype. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, uh, some, definitely some interesting storylines going into this show. Um, you know, one of my observations was just that uh, – there were a lot of nice shirt designs out there, new shirt designs. I mean, I know it's a little odd, but you know, there were just uh, a lot of new, a lot of new designs, a lot of new patterns. I noticed the fashion out on tour. I stay up on these things, Rob. Uh, you know, I want to give a couple people a shout. Bill, Bill's shirt design, beautiful, love it. Rash, uh, Rash. Dick Allen going with a different look this year, looking good. Prather, and of course, Rob Mookie Betts had the dopest shirt out of anybody. So. That that doesn't surprise me at all. Maybe those those guys can learn a thing or two uh, from him. Uh, and Rob, finally, before we get uh, move on here, uh, I want to give a shout out to our sweep the rack odds maker, PJ Haggerty, because right after he was on our episode last week, he actually 
was announced as the West Region Bowler of the Year. So uh, props to our guy. Uh, congratulations. Well-deserving, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout. And he's also going to be in a Storm Ball video I saw on Twitter, Rob, so we got to keep an eye out for that too. Yo, that's a real tough region, and I'll tell you why that's a tough region. It's such a big region, Mike. This, this region covers all over the West Coast. I mean, SoCal, NorCal, Portland, Seattle, Vegas, Arizona. Like, you have to do some major traveling, put some major miles on that car to uh, bowl a lot of those events. Uh, and, you know, being bowled in Southern California for, for a while, I mean, there were some events that were like 1,400 miles, 1,100 miles, and financially it made zero sense to, to travel and uh, go bowl uh, some of those regionals. Uh, but uh, our, our guest, Mike, knows a little bit about traveling and, and, and living in that area and, and putting a lot of miles uh, on, you know, because it's a tough, it's a tough area to live in SoCal and actually bowl, uh, the, the, the West, the West region. So shout out to PJ. I know he lives in NorCal, so maybe the, the traveling is a little bit easier living in that area. Uh, but yeah, a shout out to PJ, yo, for somebody who works full time and has twins, uh, and to do that is pretty, a, a pretty amazing accomplishment, honestly. Props. I mean, it's almost as big as an accomplishment being the sweet rack odds maker. So, yeah, Rob, you brought up our guest tonight and uh, very excited to have this young man on. You know, since, since we've gotten to follow some of these young people a little bit more closely in the beginning of their careers with the Internet, et cetera, you know, I definitely say that there's been some heralded uh, PBA rookies that have come out over the last few years that, that people ha- are watching and have some expectations for. And, uh, you know, we wanted to reach out to the guy for this year who, who kind of has those expectations. And that is uh, Mr. Wesley Lowe. So we want to welcome him on to the show for the first time. Uh, Wes, how are you, man? Good, man. How are yourself? You guys are too nice. Or at least you're really nice. <laughs> true, true, very true. Uh, yeah, so welcome. Uh, welcome to Sweep the Rack. Uh, we want to thank you for the time before we even get started. Uh, we know you're out there on tour. Are you going to the Hall of Fame dinner tonight or what? Yeah, I am. So after this, I'm going to go get ready, try to look pretty pretty, and uh, head out there and go see all those guys. Okay. All right. So so uh, who are you sitting with tonight? Are you getting the rookie treatment tonight, or do you get to sit with some some <laughs> of the big dogs tonight or what? I literally have no clue, and I was talking to Jacob about it last night, and literally he was like, yeah, I know what table I'm sitting at. And I'm like, I have no clue what table I'm at. They'd probably give me a kid's booth right now is all I'd probably know. <laughs> so, not really sure. <laughs> Don't know how I got an invite either. So, oh. I'm just going like, to be enamored by everything that's going on. Rob, what do you think, man? He might be getting the setup tonight. I don't know. Yeah, no, I <laughs> Are they going to put him at, like, the, the little table with, like, the, the, and the chairs don't, like, reach, you know, the table, so they're all going to be, like, just small at the table? I could just see this, like, kid's table that they put all the rookies on. Not, no, I get it. So let's hope that's yeah. not the case. The, with the way Wesley bowls and, and how good he is, they'll probably put him in between two Hall of Famers, and then he's going to have a, a great night. True, true, absolutely. Uh, so, Wes, like, how how – how are you being treated out there, man? Are these guys uh, treating you well? Are you getting hazed in any way? Like, has 
has our has our boy Bill O'Neill made you get him coffee at some point? Like, <laughs> has Belmo forced you to carry his balls around or something? Or are these guys treating you pretty well out there? No, I think uh, I think the freshman hazing started before I became a professional. I think they were actually really really nice to me this whole like this whole week. Everyone just shook my hand. They said hello, welcome to the tour, and I. I thought they were going to be mean because Bill was always mean to me. And so for, like, the first time ever, they were, like, nice. I felt respected. And I was like, all right, cool. Freshman hazing's over, I guess. Okay, good. Glad to hear that. (laughs) Glad to hear that. Um, So talk to us first, man, about how you got into bowling. Like, as as a young kid, how did you come up in the game? Why bowling, I guess, is the question we want to ask. All right, so uh, my dad, ever since I was little, we grew up in SoCal. He he was an avid bowler. He didn't bowl tournaments. He bowled three leagues a week, and he loved bowling. So my mom would be at work. He would bowl his league, and they, we didn't really have a babysitter when I was real young. So he would take me in a car seat or a stroller. He would put me on the desk, let the front desk ladies, like, play with me or whatever, and he would bowl his league. So I would watch him, and obviously I'm young, so I have no clue what's going on. But then when I turned, like, two, two and a half, I got bigger. My dad's taking me on the lane. He's trying to get me to throw this bowling ball. And the junior director lady, um, her name is Diane Tomlin, I think. Yeah, it is. It's definitely Diane Tomlin. She said, he can bowl a league if he can push the bowling ball down the lane by himself. And I was able to do that for a full game. She said, you can join a league. And my dad put me in a league when I was three years old. And that's kind of how I started. And then as time went on, my dad would just put me into bowling leagues he would have me bowl tournaments, like the local youth association tournaments. But, uh, like, my, my parents, my dad was big on sports and academics, and my mom was strictly on academics. My dad always said if I was doing sports, it would keep me out of trouble, it would keep me out of doing the wrong things. So he actually put me in every sport. Like, in high school, he wanted me to play tennis and golf. I didn't do those. I know how to play those. But I wrestled. I ran cross country. But, like, during that, like, 10-year span, it was bowling plus my academics, plus any sport he put me in. So I even, like, I think in middle school, I did tennis lessons and I did, uh, like, cross-country lessons. So, like, we were in a group of young kids by the local, like, park, basically, and you would take these lessons. But I think bowling stuck. I realized I was good at it. My dad really loved it, so it just continued from there. Mm. Uh, So let me ask you, Wesley, uh, I bowled – actually against you uh, years ago when I lived in Southern California. Um, and you were the first person and, that I saw as a two-handed lefty. Uh, and which to me was like deadly, just in the fact where I've never seen a two-lefty before, a two-handed lefty. Uh, is it safe? I mean, how, how did that style develop? Is that something from a Belmonte-like revolution, or is that because, I mean, I guess uh, expand further on, on how that style developed for you. Uh, so so I, I never knew what the two-handed style was, and neither did my dad, but the story's like cliche because it sounds like Belmo's, but no one, or at least we didn't know who Belmo was at the time, but I was too small, and you knew me when I was young, so I was this, you know, 80-pound freshman high school kid trying to carry a bowling ball down the lane, and like when I was younger, it was the same thing. I was a tiny little tyke, and I couldn't carry a six-pound ball, so I continued throwing it with the two hands. And my dad, he's a traditionalist. He, he's got the pendulum swing, like just let it drop, let it go back, and just let it float kind of deal. And he just continued allowing me to throw it two hands, and he says, I'll figure it out. We'll learn how to do it together. 
and we'll go from there. So that's how, like, my two-handed style came about. And then I don't know why left-handed, right-handed, but I think I'm just left-handed dominant in all the sports I play, minus a couple, obviously. Like, golf, I play right-handed. But uh, that, that's just how it developed. And then I guess Oscar made the show in 2004. My dad's like, oh, look, there's another one of you. And then a little later, like in 08, Belmo makes the uh, makes the show. And then now it's all of a sudden Belmo's two-handed too. Like I didn't, we never knew any two-handed bowlers. There was maybe like one or two in the local area. And other than that, I'd never seen a two-handed bowler until Belmo or an Oscar. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so, so how, how good is your dad, man? Does he have game or what? <laughs> uh, I, I think his high average was 213, like his highest he'd ever booked. So like, he just did it for the good old fun, like enjoying his time, hanging out with his buddies, trying to be competitive in league. Like, I he like he never got as good as he wanted to be, but he'd be proud. Like he'd shoot seven hundred, be like, I shot seven hundred night. That was good. That was a good series. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so this past week was your first official experience in the PBA as a as a full time PBA member. So congrats on that. Um, Thank you know, you, it, it, it did, we're not hating, you know what I'm saying? Like, we appreciate you coming yeah, on, no. but it, it didn't go so well, right? I mean, fair no, to say. not at all. Okay, no, so I, what, I, what... I did take a positive. I made it out of PTQ. That was definitely my positive because that's, like, that's a short-term okay. goal. Like, to make it out of the PTQ, like, that's a win. I think that's already a win. Okay, no, that, and I, I, think, I think that's a fair way to look at it. You know, you could have went out there and not made it and, you know, had sat around all week and not bowled anything and not gained any experience. And, you know, that's that's kind of the question we wanted to ask here is, you know, and I, we know it's only one week, but the learning curve out there is, is crazy. So after one week, wh- what did you learn? What did you take away from this week? Oh, my God, I learned so much. <laughs> well, the first thing is that I could definitely throw the ball a little slower, but, like, I think it's perspective. Like, I know, I've known for a long time i got to throw it slower. But, like, I'm watching all these different guys like EJ and Rash and Andrew, and it doesn't look like they're putting any effort in the ball. They're letting the ball roll down the lane, but they can change their gears. They can go so much slower if they need to. And it seems like just the way the, the Brunswick machines work and how the tour patterns work with all the oil and where the oil is placed, you have to create angle, but you have to slow your ball down with speed instead of, you know, rev rate or surface, you have to do it with your speed instead of uh, all those different variables. And that's one of the things I did take away. Like, I was working on that pretty hard for the past couple of years, and, like, I thought I got it pretty slow, and it still didn't feel slow enough. Um, let's see, there's a bunch of other things. But the pros are really good at shooting splits, like the 210 especially. I don't think my spare game is to their level quite yet, so that's something I'm going to have to improve on pretty quickly here. I think their mental games are so phenomenal. Like, I, I'd like to think I've worked on it for a long time to, you know, stay focused, stay in the moment. But, like, I can watch these guys like Troop and Rash and Andrew, like, all these guys that are on my block, and, like, they're just nonchalant about everything. Like, they can be mad at one shot, and the next shot they're going to turn around and go talk to their buddy and just be okay with it. And I feel like as a young bowler, like, that's not what I was, like, learning or doing. Like, I would just be so focused that my mind would just – absolutely be frustrated if everything went wrong and like they didn't care about that if that makes sense hmm. so i mean this is this is great stuff uh honestly it sounds like you're getting uh, amazing i know he's wesley's got a master's it sounds like he's getting a phd right now in one week 
<laughs> so I guess my question to you is like, how do you not let, how do you not get overwhelmed by all these different things that you're trying to learn out there? Because I know me, if I try to focus on a hundred things that, uh, in one week, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, so how do you like focus on one or two things and just kind of develop it. Um, and while you're out there, I guess it's just, I mean, how much practice can you, can you really do what, when you're out there? And is it just going to be like, you're just going to be kind of like learning under fire. I think it's just learning as quickly as possible as, as it goes on. Like this whole week was learning. Like I was working on different things when I knew I was out of that number, I was working on different things to, you know, better and figure it out. And then I, you know, I practiced yesterday at the ITRC for a little bit today. I tried getting a practice in, but I think it's this downtime that I get like right now is the time to focus on trying to work on as many things as possible. But I, I look at it as short-term goals. Like I think I, I think those things that like the splits is going to be a long-term goal because it's not going to be like, I'm going to figure that out overnight. So I think I just justify which I can achieve quicker or what I can try to learn and study quicker by watching those guys and then figure out, figure those things out for the next term. And, and then over the long term, like the splits, it's just something I got to practice at because it's just the repetition that will eventually get me to achieve in that. Yeah, just uh, great answers. I mean, for any young people listening to this podcast, you know, for you to be out there after your first week and say, you know, listen, I got to get my spare game up a level, you know, clearly, you know, that, that shows you the importance of, of it. And it's something that's so cliche and, it, and it's so simple. Um, but yeah, it is. It's so important. I don't think people realize like these guys do not give pins back ever, you know? So even yeah. if you have an occasional, even if you have an occasional slip up, you know, it's, it's going to cost you something somewhere along the line. Uh, you know, I have to say like you, you were probably trying that you just mentioned, like after you knew you were out of the number, you were kind of practicing a little bit and working with things. And, uh, this was probably the case in what I saw when I was watching you this week on flow bowling. But, I always love when pro bowlers struggle, Wes, because it makes me feel better about my own game. And I saw you this week one frame in the beginning of a game go, miss the head pin, seven count. You left like the the one, three, uh, nine, I think, and then you flagged that oh, no, to the left. Oh, <laughs> uh, Oh, yeah, no, okay, yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah, yeah, that, I did leave the one, three, nine, and I definitely flagged it to the left. Yeah, yeah I definitely I, tried something. Okay, so and that's fair, fair enough. And I saw that, and I just yeah. thought, oh man, I know when that happens to me in league, I'm real. I feel like, oh god, I'm lost as hell now. If I just went <laughs> miss the head pin, miss the head pin, I'm lost as hell. So I felt for you there, but you did make me feel bit be- feel better about my own bowling. So I thank you for that. I thank You're you for that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rob mentioned before Wes that uh, you have a master's degree, yes. I'm working on my master's degree. Okay. All right. So when will you be finished with that? Uh, hopefully, if all goes right, a year and a half from now. I just finished my first semester. I took three classes, and I have nine more to go. Uh, it might be ten. Okay. It might be ten. It might have been a class that I had to take. But And uh, and what what is that degree going to be in? Uh, I'm doing my MBA in marketing. The emphasis is in marketing. It was actually the only program that would allow me to – take hybrid classes like where I can be in class or I can be online and still be able to travel to bowl full time. So it was general 
MBA or emphasis in marketing. And I was like, you know, marketing sounds so cool because it's kind of something that, like, I'm starting to get interested in now. So, like, why not learn and expand on that? Like, I learned it in my undergrad. My undergrad was in management. And we learned all the basic principles of business, like accounting, finance, MIS. Like, we learned everything. But I wanted a specific emphasis that I think would benefit me. And I think marketing right now is something that I'm really trying to work on. So, are we going to have – I have two follow-up questions to that, actually, because I, 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 you know, I've followed you for a long time on social media. You're very active on there, especially with the ball videos, et cetera. Um, so my first question, though, is if, if you were not bowling, if bowling was not an option or something that you weren't pursuing uh, as a profession, uh, where would you imagine yourself using uh, the degree you have or that you're going to earn? What, you know, would you be uh, in the business world or uh, entrepreneurship? Where do you think you would have went? I feel like I'd be entrepreneurship, but I also think I'm stupid sometimes where I can't think of a grand idea that would be something that no one has ever seen or done before. So, like, in my head, I'd like to be an entrepreneur, but I feel like I would be probably in, like, a in the sense of startup company somewhere working and trying to build the company from scratch to try to make something amazing happen of it. I feel like I couldn't work an eight-to-five job where someone would boss me around and tell me what to do all day. I, I just don't think that's me, but, you know, if that happened, that could have happened, but I don't know right now because I'm bowling and I'm doing school still. Mike, I, I could see Wesley doing something in the fact of uh, the way Belmonte markets himself uh, with bowling. Uh, just hopefully, Wes, uh, you have as much success as Belmonte does, and eventually you could kind of use that marketing masters to uh, do your thing in the bowling world. And I feel like more bowlers need to be market themselves to sponsors uh, and uh, to 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 gain uh, other revenue, right? Uh, other yeah, than just yeah. so, you know, you should get with Belmonte and talk to him about his marketing. Maybe you could take over his marketing, you know, and then market yourself. But uh, hey, yeah. Mike Chief Durack is always looking for a good uh, some marketing advice. So uh, he m- maybe we could bring in Wesley to be Chief uh, Durack's <laughs> official marketing uh, guru. Yeah, so that it's funny that you say that, Rob, because that was actually my other question. Was you know, it's obviously you're pursuing uh, bowling as a profession. So like, you already do a good job of marketing yourself as a bowler in terms of the ball videos and the social media stuff that you've done. Um, so, do you have any ideas about how you're going to apply that to your professional career here? <laughs> For you guys. Or do you mean like how do I how do I apply it to the next step for my own like personal brand? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you have any ideas about how to you know mo- like I guess if you want me to ask a general question like how to market bowling in ways that maybe we haven't seen yet? That could be like a hidden idea. I don't want to tell Belmo that yet. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, I understand now. It'll be all over it. I, <laughs> no, um, I, I mean, like, the whole idea first right now, like, especially, like, because I'm, I'm trying to do YouTube's, YouTube because I feel like it's a different place of potential revenue, but um, it's content marketing. Like, the first thing you got to do is engage and hook enough people to your brand before you even try to sell them something. Or at least that's that's how I'm looking at it. You know, if I the more people I can get to be just more interested in what I'm putting out and stuff like that, that already starts that small step. And everything I'm putting out, I want to be seen 
or try to be seen outside of bowling, which is why I don't think I'm very funny, but I, I always try to put some people around me to make everything funnier because if I can get humor into it and people that don't bowl find it humorous, kind of like other you know YouTubers and whatnot, that means they're interested in me, and then they're going to see bowling through me and get them inspired. Like I read some of the comments and they're like, yeah, I don't know how I found your video, but it makes me want to go bowling. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I don't know how you found it either, but that's really cool because I put something out there that just persuaded someone to see bowling. And so that's my whole goal in the short term time right now. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that, uh, Wesley, because that's the reason why like me and Mike do the podcast together because Mike's not funny. So I'm, I, and I'm the funny one. <laughs> So that's the that is true. You are the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, just yeah, I'll, like, let the I'll, I'll let way longer than you. <laughs> I'll let the people respond to that on Twitter. Go get them, people. Yeah, you I'm sure you have my permission. Get at them, okay? Uh, <laughs> so, what, Wesley, my other question in terms of your, you know, the direction that your professional career is going is, it's interesting to me because you just graduated college. You know, we talked, you're going for your master's right now. Congratulations on both of those things. And, um, you know, most kids your age would probably be moving home with mom and dad, I would assume. And I don't say that in a bad way. I say that in a good way. Getting their career started, yeah, banking some money, et cetera. You know, so my question to you is obviously you're taking a different path here. You're going to be out on the road for several months. You know, you're a young kid. You just graduated school. Do you do you have a support system around you? Like we talk to a lot of pro bowlers, and they mention – some of the people that they have at home who make things easier on them or, or how the people that support them. Um, do you have that support system around you? And, and if so, you know, who are those people? Are you talking like a backer? Are you talking like just an actual support system of people that, you know, care for you and want the best for you? Well, either way, either way, you know, I mean, both really like, yeah. Is there anybody that has a financial interest in what you're doing out there? You know, do you have people that are, helping you book flights and make your arrangements and make sure that things are taken care of on the home front, you know, or or are you kind of doing those things on your own? I'm kind of doing it on my own. Like my mom actually, when I was younger, she would book everything, all the hotels, all the flights for every tournament. Like I never had to do it. But like now my mom, like I think I've saved up enough money where I can be on tour and I can fail for a while and it'd be okay. But my mom does help me like sometimes if I'm in a pinch on time, I'm like, hey, we're going to this event. Do you think you can help book this flight? Here's the card, whatever. But she also has, like, all the, the printed-out uh, scan and copies of the cards. So, like, it's not that she doesn't have my information. She has it if she needs it. But uh, she helps me a lot with that. Um, so I don't really have a backer. I, I feel like when you're a professional bowler, and this is my, this is my own opinion, but, like, if you can't technically afford it, it makes it tough because you're out there trying to make the money, and this is your living. This is your full-time income for most people. And if you can't do it, that makes it even tougher. And then to give it to someone else, it makes it even tougher to, you know, swallow because they're like, but, but um, it, it's just, it's tough to be able to go out there and not know that all that money is coming to you. Like, it's, it helps people to get started. But if it's your long-term plan, I feel like that's so tough. And it makes it tough for you. But so like financially, myself, my mom definitely is helping me a little bit. Um, But like I do have a, I think I have a great support system. I've always tried surrounding myself with a lot of good people to, um, you know, help me or not even help me, but just to be my friends. And I'm not paying them. I'm just saying like they're my friends. They really care for me. 
I have a bunch of friends from high school. You know, they always text me. They're like, hey, how's bowling going? We miss you. We haven't seen you in a while. We hope you're doing well. My parents, they're the best. They always text me. My mom sends me motivational stuff every day when, I'm, when she thinks I'm feeling down. Uh, I got some friends at school. I got some friends, you know, from bowling all over the, um, the U.S. that I know. And I think it's just people I've met over time that, you know, they're just good people that I've surrounded myself with. And that's like, I think that's my support system. Like I could, there are a lot of people that still care for me and ask how I'm doing, which is crazy because I would never think that when I was in high school, I never wanted to text anybody. And like people text me all the time now asking how I'm doing. And I'm all, I'm really grateful for that from all of them. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's Wesley, it's super important to have a great uh, support system, uh, you know, especially when you're on the road and uh, it, it, I would imagine being on the road could be, uh, you know, alone or lonely at times and you miss your family, you miss your friends, uh, especially uh, out of uh, college. Uh, it's just look like it's tough. And listen, you know, I, I the reason I asked that question is because you, you watch a documentary like, like Flo Bowling did on Anthony Simonson, you know, and there there's a guy who like, same position, young guy, you know, he's doing this for a living, he's trying to make it work. And yeah, like part of that documentary was about how he, he really doesn't have much of that support system. And, Rob, I agree. I think it is very important. I think it makes things a hell of a lot easier if uh, you have that, that support system, whether it's financial or otherwise, you know, kind of like Wesley talked about in terms of just text saying, hey, how you doing, people checking in on you, even if it's to talk about things that aren't related to bowling. But, uh, yeah, definitely a great answer and a great insight there, Rob. Yeah, so uh, I guess my my next thing is uh, there's uh, my next question, Wesley, is uh, to kind of jump topic here. Uh, there's some recent news that came out in, in about you changing staffs, right? About going from uh, EBI to Motive, uh, and yeah. I kind of wanted to ask you about that and uh, like what uh, and not to sound cliche, but what was the motivation behind going from CBI <laughs> to motive? And uh, was it, you know, something I just kind of want to hear like what, I guess maybe what happened with EBI is, is motive kind of maybe, you know, helping you out or I guess what, what was the the reasoning behind the move? Um, so everyone at Ebonite and even Brunswick when the merger happened was, you know, the best, they were awesome. They had my best interest. They're always texting me. What do you need? Do you need help? Anything like that. Everybody there was absolutely fantastic. I have no hard feelings for anyone, and they treated me so well for so long. Um, actually, Motive approached me with this opportunity as a job, in a sense, to do uh, social media on the road for their you know, social media accounts for the Motive brand. And so, again, I was, I'm doing my master's, but say this bowling thing doesn't work out in the long term, right? Say in 10 years I say I hate bowling, I don't want to do it, I'm burnt out, which I hope that never happens. But while I'm, doing, while I'm out on tour, if I put on my resume I was a professional bowler, I might not be able to get a job, even though I was doing my master's. But if I said I had two, three years' work experience with Motive, um, like as a social media brand ambassador or something like that, something that seems pretty legit, then like, you know, if I get a job later down the road, it's an opportunity because I have a resume that I was doing something. So now, and I don't have like full say on what I do. Like I don't like just take over their account, but like just say, for example, if they were at 10,000 subscribers and say all the content and stuff we do within the next three years, get them to over a hundred thousand, which is a stretch, 
right? But if it, if it does that, that means I legitimately, with their help, did something crazy for the brand, which means that another company will look at it and be like, wow, you did, some, you did something that prospered a brand to become better um, and more influential. And so that was kind of the reason for the switch. And uh, Brett was pretty open about a lot of things, just talking about bowling, what he helped me with, um, like when on the lanes, or if I need bowling balls, I need bowling balls. If I need stuff for my own uh, social media, whatever. But the, the main switch, honestly, was because of an opportunity in the future. Um, bowling might not work out. And, I mean, I want it to work out, but it was just an opportunity that I feel like I couldn't get because – not that I couldn't get, but I'm just starting. It's not like I'm a Mike Flanagan of the world where I'm creating this dope content all the time. Like, I'm just starting. I'm learning. I'm trying to create things to get people inspired into bowling and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool that they, like, took this 22-year-old kid and said, hey, let's start working together and doing some things. And then I, you know, I was kind of all for it. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, this has been a pretty cool interview, man, honestly. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you about all this stuff. Uh, you, you strike me as a very intelligent young man. Uh, you know, I think a lot of your, your answers to our questions kind of reflect that. Um, you know, and listen, the, 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 when we asked you that question about the ball company, I'm not surprised at all to hear that you are in some way, you know, have a job with the company that you're with, that you're with because let's be honest, it also makes it a lot easier on you to be out on tour if regardless of how things go bowling wise, you know, you have a little extra income coming in that you can rely on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, great, excellent answer. You know, we enjoyed having you on, uh, you're with motive, right? We just talked about that. Uh, any other companies yeah. that you want to plug man that are supporting you out there? Yeah. Uh, Genesis bowling, vice inserts, Dexter bowling. They're all really good to me. They've all been really nice to me. They treat me well. I love them. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I can plug in. Probably not. That's about that's about it. That's what I got. What's your, what's your okay. YouTube channel? What's your YouTube channel? People can check you out on YouTube. Uh, it's Wesley Lowe. It's just my name. Spell it for check out W E S L E Y and then space L O W. Okay. Do you ever want to find me there? Or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, man, good luck. Safe travels. Uh, you know, don't, don't let this week get you. You know, obviously we talked about it. You're going you're gonna to keep working and plugging along. Uh, we hope to see much success from you in the future. You know, you've been very heralded. Yeah. Uh, you, and, and listen, you actually got a tweet of mine liked by Gordon Vatican. So how cool is that? I mean, I've gotten a lot of cool people to like tweets of mine lately, but I got to tell you, Gordon Vatican's one of the coolest one to like one of my tweets. So when I tweeted out that we needed you on the podcast and we and the bowling world needed to hear from you, and he liked that shit, I was like, oh, word up! That's that's a bonus right there. So appreciate that too. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on because Rob and I are success chasers, and we always go after the people that win. That's just the way it works around here. So uh, when you win, we're going to have you back on. He, Rob, maybe if he, even if he doesn't win, if he makes a show, we might have to have him back on. What do you think? Yeah, of course. Dude, Wesley, yeah. It's good. We're going to end up having to have him on every weekend. Uh, you know. 
<laughs> Go get I'm him. That'd be great, over. actually. <laughs> That's true. Well. Absolutely. I'm sure he'd be happy to. All right, man. We'll get you out of here. Enjoy the Hall of Fame dinner, and I hope they have you sitting at the big boy table, bro. I hope so, too. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Thanks, Take it easy. All right, so, Rob, uh, for, first time we hear from Wesley Lowe, I mean, impressive, man, you know, impressive young man in general. Uh, forget about bowling, right? Like, just, uh, you know, impressive in the way that he talked about things and, uh, you know, his education and the way he's pursuing things there and how he's applying that to what he's doing on tour. So, you know, really impressed, man. I mean, the future of bowling is in good hands if people like that are going to be involved at a high level in the sport. Absolutely. Uh, I've known Wesley for a while, uh, just from bowling, uh, and he's always been uh, mature beyond his age. Let's just put it like that. Uh, he's always been most respectful, humble uh, kid like you could imagine. Uh, and I, I kind of look up to that because when I was that age and I had some success when I was in like the 13, 14, there was nothing humble about me, Mike. So oh, I, shit, I remember when you were in uh, bowling this month as the future stars. I mean, God, I think you walked around with the, the, the article copy taped to your shirt for like six months. You know, sometimes you just kind of got to show people that you're good, I guess. I don't know. But that was before, <laughs> so, <laughs> that was before social media, too. I couldn't even imagine what we, what we would have had on Facebook. Oh, anyway, my goodness. Back to Wesley, like, dude, he's is going to be a great ambassador for the sport and and 100 percent the future is really bright for this kid and as somebody who could definitely take the sport and 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 put it on his back and become the you know the next uh belmonte is such a kind of one of those so big things for wesley i know it uh, you could just feel it for for how successful he's been in his young career so uh, definitely want to um, keep an eye out for him, uh, and you see how lear how just his answer, Mike, based on what he learned this week, was unbelievable. Like he's already learning like things that it might take other people years, and one week it feels like he's kind of ca- going to be catching on pretty quick. Yeah, and I, I I thought that answer was really interesting too because. I think a, a common misconception when people watch professional bowlers is that they are trying to throw the ball as hard as they can with as much rev rate as they can, you know, and that's not actually the case. You know, the, the power that they create is created in a way where there's very little, um, you know, motion put into the swing, et cetera, however you want to put it. And yeah, I think that, that, that's something that people don't see unless you are really watching closely, but clearly, you know, like you said, he's figured it out. And I, I think based on his previous resume, you know, we didn't even really get into it with him tonight. Uh, but yeah, his, his, his resume is impeccable. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a better uh, tour rookie who ha- has come, you know, at least recently who has come with a better resume for their first year on tour. You know, he, I, I believe he won junior gold a couple times. He's won the, the Team USA trials and the U.S. Amateur Championship. You know, he had a great college career. He won regionals at a young age. He has multiple regional titles. So, yeah, what else could you ask for, right? So you would expect success at this level. Um, it's just a matter of time before he figures it out. Yeah, definitely we'll talk about him more in his history and 
uh, of just being as successful as he was at such a young age. Uh, so I uh, can't wait to hear from him again. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, we'll, we'll be looking out for him. And, and he's gained two more supporters, Mike. For, that's for sure. Yeah, after this interview. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great interview, too. Easy guy to talk to. So, all right, Rob, we're going to keep it moving here. All right, folks. Uh, holy shit. Uh, we're back with you here. Uh, it's now Sunday, and the show has just wrapped up. And, Rob, what a show. What a start to 2020. Oh, my God. Jesus. Talk about probably one of the best shows I've ever watched, honestly. Like, that has to be probably, like, the best show, if not one of the top three, like, best live shows that I've ever watched, honestly. Like, I, I was un- unbelievable. Just every match was close. We had high scores. We had low scores. We had transition. We had a little bit of talking, a little bit of shit talking. Mike, what, what else could have, like, been better with this show? I, I don't really know. Maybe the music, but... Other than that, yeah, yeah, I, I had some, I, yeah, we'll get, maybe later I'll give some thoughts on the music, but uh, yeah, man, in terms of the bowling, uh, not much more that you could ask for. Topped off by Tommy Jones, man, perfect game, three hundred for the extra ten grand on TV, hmm. dude. On his Hall of Fame weekend that he got inducted at a tournament called the Hall of Fame Classic, it's awesome, like. What, what, I mean, unreal, like that's like, just like storybook, what a storybook ending for an unbelievable weekend for Tommy Jones, uh, and throwing those three shots, the last one to do it, like, I mean, the last one to get up and throw it, like the, the tournament's already won. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit speechless of how great that ending was. Yeah. You know, you can't. Like you couldn't write a better script, you know. You really no. couldn't. It, it, it was just perfect, though. Like you said, Hall of Fame classic. The weekend he gets inducted last night, and uh, yeah, to come out and win and shoot three hundred. I mean, especially <laughs> you know, winning a hundred grand will do amazing things for your swing. That's what I'm going to say. Mm. So, and we said it. Uh, the Bolero tournament. I mean. He, he, he was riding high, dude, and he's healthy. And you see what he could do when he's healthy and he's confident and his swing is loose. It's just, like, unreal. Like, it's, he's so good. And, man, I don't really know what else to say, but uh, I like to talk about some of the other matches, too, uh, because it, All right, it was so, a great so let's get into it a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a little uh, analysis of the show here. Uh, the, the, the show started off with uh, – with Barnes against uh, Buttruff. And that, that, was a, that was a great match. I really feel like the lane breaking down had a huge effect on the match. And obviously that has not, that, that look like that's not anybody's fault by any means. But that stoppage, right? Like Buttruff has been injured, right? And he's bowled a lot of games. And I just really feel like that long wait that he had to wait to throw that shot in the 10th like really, really hurt him and affected him. And it's no excuse. And I'm sure if we talked to him about it, he would not make any excuses for making that shot. But I really feel like that had a, 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 um, a effect on, on his shot in the 10th when he split. Yeah, well, you know, that match was like, 
vintage Barnes. I mean, that, that was Chris Barnes at his best. Um, you know, just really throwing great shots and uh, staying on top of things, knowing that he was going to need a big number. Uh, as they said, as Randy and, and Rob talked about a little bit, that Barnes thought that if Jacob had it, he was going to have to put up a big number. And to Barnes's credit, you know, he he came out and, and gave Jacob Buttrick everything he wanted and then some. You know, so to put him in that position where he had the double in the tenth, and you know, to be fair, Rob, like Barnes had to wait just as much as Buttrick did. You know, so um, yeah, they they were both affected by that little hiccup there. And, uh, you know, actually the, the show ran like 20 minutes long today. But, uh, yeah, that was a great match, great opening match. So Barnes moves on, and uh, he goes on to face uh, Oscu. I mean, Barnes was just unbelievable in the 10th frame on two straight matches. Uh, I feel like Oscu just – his speed was a little bit too fast for what was out there. I feel like he, he did a pretty good job uh, just in general. Like he had a pretty good performance on TV. I was more disappointed uh, in the fact that he's shooting his 10 pins now with two hands. Uh, I think that. Yeah, I, mean, I mentioned that. No, like he, no, listen, he honestly, he may have been the worst spare shooter on tour. <laughs> I, but it was I, I watch a lot of Siri, Rob, I'm serious. I watch a lot of bowling and he was a really bad spare shooter. And I think that him making that change could, could, produce really dramatic results because you know over the course of a tournament it wouldn't surprise me if he was giving away a hundred plus pins in mm-hmm. in miss spares easy miss makeable so um yeah listen good to see him make a show right like he's a guy that i look at and think man all the talent in the world how is he not uh, a greater part of the conversation in, in terms of the, the best players every year true I just think in more of an entertaining value. I, I just like to see him throw it 100 miles an hour. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. Yeah, with you. I feel, yeah. So everybody gets the matchup that they want, right? Barnes defeats Oscu, and everybody gets the Hall of Fame matchup they want, which is Barnes against Tommy Jones. And, and Rob, the, the match kind of went the opposite way that everybody wanted it to or expected it to, you know, which was high scores and both guys locked in. You know, the transition kind of hit, and both guys were a little bit confused during that match, and they found themselves kind of battling it out. Uh, transition game, Mike. And uh, I know Lucas tweeted something out about it, and uh, our Twitter account did also tweet something out about it, about just, look, like the high rev rate, the urethanes, the TV lights, uh, the two-handed, right? Like it, there is going to be a transition game, and the lanes just went completely over and under. And if people don't, know what that means out there it's when the middle of the lanes get super super tight but it, it, the the spot the, the spot right of that it, it, it starts hooking early so if you miss left the ball never hooks and if you miss right too quick the ball checks up at your feet so that's the hardest transition pattern like that's the hardest my opinion the hardest like pattern to bowl on and uh it, it was good to see a game though like that wasn't all strikes, right, Mike? And I know you're a big fan of, of shot making and low, lower scores. So I feel like this game was a, a, a true test for two Hall of Famers to hit transition, to try to find a new reaction, switch balls, make some moves. And it was a really pleasure to watch a couple of games with some strikes. And then now all of a sudden you have two of the best in the game trying to figure out a, a ball reaction and, and make moves. I feel like it was a perfect time for low, a low-scoring game because of just the, the caliber of players that were bowling. 
Yeah, I, you know me. I always like to see the uh, the more interesting side of things, where the bowlers might be a little bit more confused. Um, you know, d- disappointing a little bit to see a miss spare come into play in that match to a large degree. To a large degree. Uh, so you know, there, there's been a lot of that on the PBA Tour shows the last couple seasons, where you know it seems like routine spares get missed that play a big part in. Um, key matches and, and who moves on and who wins. But, uh, yeah, you know, great match. I, I, I liked it. You know, it definitely kept me interested. And then, uh, Rob, the the finale, man, I mean, one for the books, instant classic, right? Like Tommy Jones wraps up the win with 300, and, and that was a hell of a 300 too. It was, it was amazing. Uh, Bill O'Neill had a great tweet, said that if in like the third or second frame, like if Tommy keeps his speed down slow, it's going to be a key to him bowling great. And I know Randy also mentioned that on the show early in the sh- in the match too about keeping his, his speed soft. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, just unbelievable uh, game. And uh, I mean, Purple Hammer on the right lane, Mike. I mean, just just uh, unreal urethane reaction. You know, uh, light mixers, high flush, like Tommy, like, had it. And I, you could just tell the look on his face after he threw the 10th one that he Agreed. was going to do it. He, he knew he was going to do it. Yeah, no, he knew he had it. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. He he was relaxed. He went over to the crowd, gave some high fives. That was very shocking. When he did that, I thought, oh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to do this. He's got it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of carry. You know, and Brunswick ball on the left lane, Rob? What was he throwing on the left lane? It was a prism hybrid, a Brunswick prism hybrid. Okay. Yeah, he likes that Brunswick stuff too. He was using that hero MVP uh, at the Bolero Elite Series. So clearly that, that stuff is working well for him. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, we knew that whole Brunswick EBI uh, merger uh, was uh, or takeover was going to affect the PBA. And first show, I mean, Tommy's using a Brunswick ball in the left lane and a hammer, a purple hammer on the right lane. So uh, obviously – that helped out Tommy and uh, yeah, it, it was his weekend, Mike, like it, it, there was no stopping it. Uh, but it, you know, I'm, I'm just, so I was so pumped for, for a great show, a great beginning show. And uh, it felt like last year with the hall of fame classic was also a great show too. And when bill won, uh, I feel like we'll, we'll see what happens in the future, but the crowd was in it. They were hype. It, it was, it was entertaining. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of want to see this, uh, the ball keep rolling and uh, hopefully uh, maybe they'll hit you up and get some uh, new music, Mike. And I know you had some <laughs> criticism, and I, I read some criticism online already about some of the music they were playing. Uh, girls just want to have fun. And uh, <laughs> there was no, some other just, just, You know what's stupid to me, honestly? And I'm going to give some real criticism here. Just figure out what you want to do with the music. For, for you know, Just make a decision and stick with it. Like <laughs> Sometimes it was playing so loud, it was really noticeable. Other times it was like background noise and you could barely hear what they were playing. Then when Tommy Jones is shooting 300, they completely shut it off. Like just, <laughs> just decide what you want to do with it and do, do that with it. It's driving me crazy. And, but yes, if you're going to play it, then, then come on, pick some, pick some like decent music that's not going to make people laugh while they're on the approach. You know, like, come on. Like, would, it be that, would it be that hard to ask the pros who are going to be on TV to give them – 
a list of like 10 to 15 songs that they want to be played while they're bowling. I mean, would that, would that be that difficult to do? I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure if I was on it, I can't stop laughing because y- your take is hilarious because it's true. And uh, I mean, if I was born on TV and they asked me for like 15 songs, like I, I would be more than happy to give them like some music to play when I was bowling. I would actually prefer that. So <laughs> I'm sure Tommy uh, and uh, uh, Chris and all them didn't really ask. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the PBA didn't ask them like what music because <laughs> It was pretty bad. And uh, I, I read some already criticism online and you know how people are on the, on the internet, love to focus on the negative. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Mike, I agree completely. hundred no, percent. They, they deserve criticism over it. They do like it, it. It just, just figure it out. Come on. It's not that complicated. Like just make a decision about what you want to do and stick with it. You know, and, and the crowd was good. The crowd was great at this event. You know, um, I, I, again, like, I don't think you need the constant chanting and cheering, you know, for a crowd to be good. I think that that crowd today had a really good feel for the moments of the match and when it was, you know, when it was time to be inter- you know, have a, have the laser focus interest and reaction versus, you know, parts of the match that maybe weren't, d- didn't need that type of uh, level of attention. But, um, yeah, in general, listen, I thought it was a great show. I mean, what, what else can you ask for, man? Like, Nothing. if you're Fox, if you're Fox, right. that's a great show. Like, that, that, that 300 game, the last frame of that 300 game, that deserves to be on ESPN's top, top 10 tonight. Now, it won't be because ESPN is the kind of company that only promotes the products that they really have a, a, a vested interest in. But it should be. You know, it should be. It definitely should be. Fox should put it on whatever, whatever highlight show they have on their sports network. Yeah, I agree. That yeah. was a great show, man. Great show. And you know what? Shout to Darren Tang, right? He bowled almost 240. He bowled a great game. And, uh, you know, listen, it, like you said, it was just Tommy's weekend, man. It was Tommy's weekend. It was Tommy's week. Uh, he was up there all week. You know, this was not like a late or anything of that nature. You know, he, he was in the hunt in this tournament from start to finish. Uh, and, yeah, as I said, winning 100 Gs will do amazing things to – loosen up your swing and loosen up your approach. I mean, Rob, me and you know, a hundred thousand win for these guys is a season maker. That's a season and a half maker. So yeah, don't, you know, you cannot underestimate going out there with a fresh refocused, relaxed mental approach to what you're doing. For sure. And agreed. And that, that's a great final point. Uh, And I really want to switch gears here for a second and, and go to a, Another topic that has been pretty uh, controversial over the internet, and I really need to say my piece on this because it's been bothering me. And I read another USBC post in the discussion board. We all we talked about this before. It's a train wreck. You, you know, I'm going to say it again: the USBC discussion board message boards. It might be the the dumbest message board on Facebook, honestly. <laughs> It's like, but it's a train wreck. The level, the level of stupidity on there in terms of bowling is just remarkable. It really is. And the moderators on there, you guys are like the soup Nazis of of the of the bowling message boards. I mean, really, like it's crazy the way that these guys uh, regulate what's on there and what's allowed to be posted. But nonetheless, go ahead, Rob. Let's let's delve into the pool of stupidity a little bit. But let's only go in the shallow end, okay? Yeah, so I saw there was some criticism on the fact of uh, Mookie Betts, right, that was allowed to have a commissioner's exemption to 
ball qualifying and not uh, bowl, uh, not have to qualify through the PTQ. Uh, and look, if you really think that Mookie Betts not like this is okay. I, I have so much to say on this point. Mookie Betts is one of the best baseball players in the game right now. The guy is, is unbelievable on the field. He's a great ambassador for Major League Baseball, which is a top-tier sport in this country. He loves bowling. This guy is famous. He, he, he could do wonders for the PBA Tour by just being involved in the PBA. And the guy is a really good bowler on his own right. Okay? That's has the most – wait, wait. Let me jump in real quick. That's the most important point, Rob, is that he really is a good bowler. He is. He really is. He beat a lot. He beat several people this week. This is not Terrell Owens coming right. to bowl a PBA tournament. Okay, this guy has some game. You he know. Does. So he, continue. But yeah, that is the most. That should have been your first point. That's the most important point. This is not a joke. This is not a gimmick. This is not something where it's like, oh, this guy's going to come in and disrespect our uh, an event that we're having here by participating in a, in a disingenuous way. No, like my man was out there to average 200. He averaged 198. You know, how many league yeah. hacks can go out there and average 198? Go try. I would love to yeah. see that. It would be amazing. But the can people, continue on. Go ahead. Mike, the people who think that, like, he should go through PTQs and, and like, everybody else have no clue, have zero clue. Because you know what? This is a, a, a celebrity. This is a guy who could bring sponsors. He could bring money. He could bring a lot of interest into bowling for people that may not know uh, about the PBA and bowling. So for the PBA to give him a con- commissioner's exemption to bowl and to get like, you know, involved with the PBA, I- I'm 100% supportive of it. The people who, who think that he needs to be like everybody else and go through PTQs, and they have zero clue, Mike, zero clue on what someone like Mookie Betts could do for the PBA Tour. And I, I, would, tell, I would tell anybody, I, I don't care who they are, I would tell them that, that if you think that he needs to go through, it's, just, it's stupidity, Mike. This guy is a great ambassador for Major League Baseball. He could do the same thing for bowling, and yeah, okay. I could, I could ramble on and, and beat a dead horse for, for hours on this topic, but that's my major points here, Mike. Yeah, he should be able to bowl whenever he wants. Give him a spot whenever he wants. I don't care who gets knocked out. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, he can do more for – like, it, it, as you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, where does he rank in terms of people who can really – have impactful change in the bowling community, right? Like you think about everyone in the bowling community and the level to which they can impact change, immediate change in the bowling community. And honestly, he might be like number two or three on that list. Hmm. Yeah. And I think number one and two would be people from Bolero. So yeah, like, you know, I, I put out on Twitter today, I'd love to see Mookie Betts buy the, the PBA. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, Rob, I'm dead serious. With the money that these professional athletes make, I mean, he, he's likely to sign a, a three, you know, three-figure million-dollar contract at some yeah. point in his career if he hasn't already. So, you know, to buy something like the PBA to a guy like that who has that kind of money, that's, you know, rather a drop in the bucket. 
Mm. You know, so yeah, uh, and he's, I would love to see something like that. I mean, imagine what kind of immediate impact that would have if we got a guy like that who's the owner of our entire organization and is out there promoting it for us through his own popularity and celebrity, you know, which he's already doing, which he's already doing. I mean, and doing it for free too. you know, companies will pay this guy serious money to promote their products. And he's doing it for the PBA basically for an entry to a tournament, you know? So yeah, stop the complaining, stop the crying. You know, we're lucky that somebody that, uh, is that high level in, in something that people really have their eyes on is actually interested in bowling to, to a high enough level where they can do it and do it in a way that, that can be respected. You know, well, um, Mike, if it was, if it was a Terrell Owens type situation, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't be taking this stance, but again, the most important thing here is the guy can bowl. Nope. And I mean, look like, and look, I don't know a whole lot about the business side of it, but I would imagine that someone like Mugi Betts has a, a lot of bridges to, big sponsors like Gatorade, Nike, Budweiser. I mean, this guy is getting, or if already not been sponsored by some of the major companies that bowling needs. So you never know, like there's a bridge there. Hey, like Tom or, or, or Coley, like I, I got a guy in Nike that might be interested in, in looking at bowling. I mean, you never know just shit like that. It's all about who you know. And Mookie's probably got some good connections to some big sponsors on top of it. So you never know. But anyway, yeah, I agree completely. And I'm, I, I think Mookie is, and, and hey, Mike, maybe we could start maybe using some of our connections and get Mookie to come on the show. Wouldn't that be amazing? Now, I put it out there on Twitter. I doubt it's going to get a response or anything. But listen, if he happens to listen to the show, any of our friends that do listen to the show that want to shoot him a text and tell him, hey, check out this bowling podcast while you're traveling around, playing baseball and such. Listen, man, if you happen to hear this and you want to come on, we'd be more than happy to have you. Uh, no rabbit squad needed for the, in a sweep the rack appearance either. Uh, you're good. You can just come right on. We'll, we'll bump whoever we need to bump to get you. Uh, we'll work around our schedule. So, you know, open invitation is what I said on Twitter. So definitely we throw that out there. Um, Rob, uh, hall of fame induction took place, right? We talked to a little bit about it with Wesley Lowe when we had him on earlier in the episode, he was getting ready to go to that last night. Um, yeah, I, I watched a little bit of it. You know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, if you, had, if you didn't watch it, you should definitely go and, and I would say watch two main parts, which would be um, the, the person that introduced Tommy Jones, whose name escapes me right now. Lee was his first name. I forget his last name. Um, and, and, Rob, this is a person that we got to try and get on the show, too. Uh, this is a guy who, as he talks about in his introduction last night, uh, has sponsored over like 150 bowlers on tour. And I wasn't aware of that. So, uh, you know, I, we definitely have to get in touch with him somehow and get him on the show. But Tommy Jones's speech was also really good. And uh, Mike Slade, the former owner of the PBA Tour, like he might be my spirit animal, Rob. I mean, this, th- to listen to this guy talk, uh, very interesting dude. Very interesting dude. A lot of interesting things to say. So I would definitely recommend going back and watching that as well. Um, Coley Edison spoke. You know, I thought she had some some interesting things to say. Rob, she meant she thanked all of the PBA's media partners, like uh, Flow Bowling and Fox Sports and uh, Bowler's Journal. And I was waiting, Rob. You know what I was waiting for? I was waiting for the uh, thank you to sweep the rack as well. But, uh, yeah, we didn't get it. I was kind of shocked that we didn't get the thank you there. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend going back and, and listening to that part as well. 
and checking that out. Um, Tom Clark had, had some really interesting things to say. Nice highlight video that they put together for the event that I thought was really cool. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, definitely something to check out on Flow Bowling. You know, not only are they bringing you the, the, the bowling uh, entertainment, but they're also bringing you a lot of the behind-the-scenes like that Hall of Fame dinner last night. So um, really interesting to be able to see that. And, Rob, when I watch it, I, I, I can't help but think that I, I – I can't wait until our boys inducted into the Hall of Fame. Rob, wherever that is, I'm telling you, we're never going to be welcome back there again. <laughs> um, so let me ask, I got a question for Flow Bowling. I'm going to throw a little bit of smoke out uh, to Lucas and, and Flow Bowling. Uh, where were you guys, uh, why weren't you guys filming at the party at Scroggies? Because uh, I heard that some shit went crazy down at, at Scroggies, and I, I've been looking for some, uh, you know, media insider info on the party at Scroggies. So, uh, and my question to you, Mike, is, is your uh, pool party at Bill's house in the summer going to be just as lit and hype as the party at Scroggies was last night? I don't know, man. A- ain't no party like a Scroggies, Scroggies party. I had a friend who was a big party at Scroggies guy, you know, but, uh, not myself. So I, I can't even say for comparison's sake, but, uh, We'll just have to see. Okay. Well, hey, Lucas, if you get this uh, message and you're listening, uh, next year you guys got to get a film crew out and do like a 30 for 30 on the party at Scroggies. You know, so yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, Lu- yo, Lucas Wiseman with a big shout from Bo Burton last night at the Hall of Fame dinner too. Nice yo. job, Lucas Wiseman. I mean, anytime I you get a shout from Bo Burton, big thing. Bo, yo, Bo, hey, man. Bo, Bo giving you a shout-out. That's prime time, man. Bo's a legend. Yeah, Joey Pants' yearbook quote was from Bo Burton. <laughs> little, little known fact there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> speaking, speaking of him, Rob, he, uh, he won't come on the show because he's, he's afraid he's going to get fined. Is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard, Rob? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is pretty ridiculous because uh, obviously you choose what you say. So, like, if you don't want to talk about some of uh, of the stuff that you shouldn't be talking about, then don't say it. Like, and hey, yeah. look, like, I mean, and I'm throwing this out to anybody who's listening to this, who's afraid to come on the show. Uh, we have no problems giving questions in advance, right, Mike? I mean, we will do that on occasion to, you know, to our guests to make sure that they're prepared. Uh, we have some guests that say, you know what, you don't need to do that. But like, I mean, I, I, Mike, like we'd have no problem giving him at least a, sum, a summary of what we're going to be asking him. You know what I mean? So nah, that's a stupid take. Joe, hey, Joe, we have a lot of, lot of talk we need to, uh, to get with you on. Uh, you know, so hit us up, Joe. Come on. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. He already, I mean, he already put out his, his uh, you know, stance on two-handed bowling and all that. So that ain't even something we really need to rehash. But he knows he has an open invitation, but yeah, I thought that was funny. I wanted to share that with you. Yeah, that uh, one more thing, Rob, before we wrap up here that I wanted to mention, um, just make people aware of in case they want to listen to it. You know, I try and I try and stay as tapped in as I can to everything bowling related. And uh, earlier this week, um, Sarah Spain from ESPN uh, has a, a podcast that she does. The, the name escapes me right now of the podcast, um, but it's basically about, uh, women that are in high profile positions in sports. And she had on Coley Edison to, to this podcast and I gave it a listen. And, um, 
Yeah, I would definitely suggest that, that people go and give it a listen. It was an interesting podcast. She talks a little bit about her background in the real world and how she ended up working for, for Bolero. Um, she gives some thoughts on bowling and uh, why it was popular years ago, but not popular today. And, and her thoughts there had to do with the low quality of television coverage for other sports, whereas bowling was a little bit easier to see. You know, something I, I never really uh, never really thought of before. But, uh, yeah, interesting interview. I would definitely suggest taking, taking a listen to it. Um, but, yeah, what, one thing that strikes me, Rob, and this is from the Hall of Fame dinner speech too, is that the only issue I have with this setup right now is that the person or people who are, in, who are really in charge of, of the PBA tour are really not bowlers. You know, and, and I don't know, I don't know if that's going to work. You know, I hope it works. Um, I know they have a lot of the right people to listen to, and I hope they keep those people in those spots, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's nice to be the CEO of a sports organization, but at the same time, is it, is it too much to say that in order to be the CEO of a sports organization, you should really have a deep background in that sport? No, I'll disagree with you a little bit because just on the fact where uh, a lot of sports teams out there are owned by people who don't know anything about the sport. And they have people that are like GMs and people around them that are have deep roots in the sport. So like you say someone like, I don't know, uh, Bob Kraft or what's yeah, that? That's not an apt comparison, though, because you're talking about a team within the organization. Here we're talking about the entire organization. You know, it, the, the the comparison would be like the commissioner of the NFL, you know, or if someone actually owned the NFL, quote unquote. Got it. But yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I hear you though. Oh, and listen, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying it's a negative. It can also be a positive because they can look at things from a different perspective and bring bring new new ideas to the table. Um, but yeah, I just sure. I just found, I found it interesting. You know, I think Something that's maybe when. As I listen to the podcast, you know. Yeah. I would imagine Coley probably will go and talk to someone like a Tom Clark. This reason why he's uh, still uh, there uh, to talk bowling related topics and uh, stuff that probably they get educated on. So I'd imagine she has a lot of support around her that are within the roots within bowling and she'll learn as she goes. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just see it as a point where it's like, yeah, you could you could run an organization and you know not really know about the industry, uh, and it just takes experience. Uh, it's like any other job. I mean, you're just going for like lateral positions in a in a company, and you might not know the industry, but you know the position. So you just it takes sure. time and learning the industry. So, um, and sure, I have yeah. one last. If uh, you know, if you want to listen to that podcast, it was uh, ESPN Sarah Spain. So you guys can go and uh, check it out. Yeah, um, and I have one last point before we, we, we finish this episode up, and I think this is uh, a point that's bigger than bowling, in my opinion. Uh, Jason Belmonte uh, posted uh, something on his Twitter and Facebook about uh, donating and, and GoFundMe uh, to the, the fire rescue or the fire you know, recovery in Australia, uh, and he's big involved in that. Obviously, there's a lot of... Uh, fires going on in Australia. And Mike, I'm a big animal guy. You know that, you know, I love animals. I love uh, anything that, you know, is, is, is living. Right. And 
there's a lot of animals out there that are, are affected and people obviously affected by these wildfires. And if you haven't checked out Belmonte's page, I, su- I suggest you do that. And uh, I plan on making a little bit of a donation myself just to, to, to the fire uh, recovery in Australia. Um, and it just breaks my heart to see like these koalas and kangaroos and, you know, all these animals that are like getting burned and like are homeless because of these fires. So uh, I, I think that's a pretty important uh, point and topic that people need to go in and do whatever they can do or try to do just a little bit helps from everybody. So check that out on Belmonte's page. I think it's like a, a um, I forgot the name. It's like a two, two handed for, for Australia or something in that nature, but he has it on his social media. So you guys, everybody should go check that out. Yeah, absolutely. I plan to uh, throw a donate donation in there as well. Um, you know, obviously major, world issue there. So I also read over the weekend that it, it had um, rain there quite a bit. So I think that that helped the problem. Um, so that was good to hear. And uh, yeah, definitely good, good idea to make people aware of that and, and try and get people to go support that as well. Um, Rob, last thing that we'll touch on, I guess, before we get out of here, uh, contest, right? People should be aware that this week we're releasing the details on the contest telling them how they can sign up, what they need to do. We finalize things. Uh, We're just waiting on a couple dates so that we can uh, solidify the info here of what people are going to be doing if they're going to enter the contest. Uh, So people should definitely look for that this week. I would imagine we'll have it out right around the time this episode comes out, no? Yeah, I should have it out at the beginning. We should have it out at the beginning of the week. I'm going to try to get this episode out tonight because the show is fresh in everybody's minds and I okay. want everybody to listen to it. But I'd imagine like a contest and stuff we, we'd have out by like Monday or Tuesday. So yeah, check it out this week. It'll definitely be out by uh, the beginning of this week. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely hear for any questions. Uh, hit us up on sweep the rack at Gmail. Mike, you want to drop our Twitter feed? Sweep the rack, right? Yes. Uh, at, at sweep the rack on everything at sweep the rack at Gmail email. Hit us up. Uh, want to give a shout to uh, some, some some listeners that we got in touch with that actually have their own podcast uh, called Bass Talk Live. Uh, they reached out to us and, you know, different industry, but kind of doing something similar to what we do here. So I want to give those guys a shout. And uh, if you're into fishing, definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, at Sweet the Rack on all social media for sure. Um, Rob, the, the PBA tour rolls on. Uh, PBA uh, Oklahoma Open this week at Fire Lake Bowling Center. Okay, in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and uh, competition starts Wednesday. Uh, match play starts Friday. Finals are going to be again on Sunday, one o'clock FS1. And I just hope we get as good a show as we had this week. Yeah, I don't know if that's possible, Mike. That's a a, a big shoes to fill, right, up for the next show. Uh, I, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, like it's just as long as it's entertaining. I don't expect it to be as good as this show. Uh, I think it. But, yeah, uh, excited that bowling is back, and uh, hopefully uh, the ball keeps rolling, Mike. It's, it's exciting right now. A big day, football right now, and uh, bowling. And, uh, yeah, the only thing that would make this Sunday better, Mike, is if we didn't have to go to work Monday. But other than that, it's, pretty, it's a pretty cool day so far. So I don't have to go to work on Monday. <laughs> Ah, uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, I have a tomorrow. Yes, but I'm about to go watch these football games and enjoy myself. That's why I want to wrap it up because I want to go watch this football. All right, man. Uh, ha- have a good week. I'll talk to you. Um, you know, great show. I hope the people enjoy. Wesley Lowe, great interview, man. We got to have him back. Tommy Jones, 300. Oh, my God, he's on fire. Tommy, hit us up, man. We want to have you on. And, uh, yeah, Rob, we'll try and keep it moving for the people. 
All right, man. You have a great rest of your Sunday. Later. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Yo.